Welcome to Picks with the Professor, the show where a real statistics professor and his friends give you sports betting tips. I am your host, Professor Sides. It's my actual job title and last name, which is part of the reason why the mathematical model that I've built to predict various sports outcomes is actually known as Sideline. You'll hear more about the model during the course of this episode, set to cover the six best college basketball games and a, a semi-off-the-wall game, not as, not, de- not as deep into the wells you've been going uh, at times. Scheduled to be played on Wednesday, February 1st, 2023. In case you're new here, check out the webpage on the banner. It's www.pixwithaprofessor.com slash new for some explanations and community rules. See the Google Sheet for sidelines projections on every single game. Model also has a graded pick on all games because there are no locks in gambling. So they parses picks into three categories, loves, likes, and leans. That is A, B, and C grades. There are two different ways to get the picks, either via Patreon or Black Book Sports. Mostly just depends on what you're looking for. Hopefully we have a package built for your needs, whether that's early access to model projections, ad-free shows, instant access to picks, and or the Discord chat, which is the best place to get questions answered about these or other games. Don't forget the results for all recommended picks. The ones here in this show, the model A grade plays and all of the plays of the day can be found on Black Book Sports and the Google Sheet. All of the links Again, in the show description. So always take what you like and leave the rest. Lastly, please understand the good or bad variants will occur. So as much as we'd like to say we'll be profitable each and every day, that is an impossible reality for any gambler. Uh, Jake, you were recording this here on Tuesday afternoon. None of the Tuesday games have happened. We have had the Monday games happen. And I feel like Monday, so we talked about this a little bit in the Discord chat. Again, a, a lot of good discussion over there about sports and, and now tennis and, and NFL and everything. So it's a lot of fun if you're, if you're not there with us. But Monday was a frustrating day because there were so many weird things happening, so many close results that like it's hard to really learn a lot from them, right? The, the Iowa State collapse, um, the, the Virginia-Syracuse, we had the over in that, and it was flying over and then somehow doesn't get there. Um, you know, Baylor's hanging around to the very end, and then that could have easily gone over. It goes under. Baylor could have won. They lost. It kind of covered. They didn't. It, it, there's just so many of those games on Monday and there weren't that many games, but it felt like about half of them were just kind of these results where you just look back and you're like, I don't know what to make of this. And I feel like that's the most frustrating nights as a sports better, because at least if you lose and you learn that's something good, but I feel like I didn't learn anything Monday. I don't know about you. Yeah. Or if there's a specific reason that you can point to, it makes you feel better, right? Like, Oh, so-and-so got hurt. That really changed right. that game or right. stuff like that. It's just, I don't know what happened. I was like, I quit watching it. Cause it was like, man, they're up. They're up. Yeah. Five million. It's, yeah, I got that kind of offense. Apparently, they yeah. Do. Uh, <laughs> so it's like I don't know. And then the Baylor game—that was a good game. It could have gone either it was. way. It was a great game. game. And then uh, what was it North Carolina Central? The one combo of free throws at the end was what? Yeah, I I, I, I did the video the TikTok uh, about that about a bad beat. That was that was terrible. And the Baylor one, I think we kind of both Baylor and the Virginia game. I feel like we nailed in our discussion of them, right? I said here, I said, Virginia minus five is a very good line. And sure enough, <laughs> Virginia wins by five. Uh, we talked about like that number being a tough one to, to kind of analyze. It's exactly where it falls. The Baylor, we analyzed right? We kind of just said like Baylor might be slightly better team, but like on the road. And sure enough, after 39 minutes, Texas was one point better at home. I think that kind of aligns with what we said, but we talked about like, it's very tough because you didn't know how that last minute would go and you didn't. And Baylor had a chance to take the lead misses and then ends up losing by five. And so, I feel like that's the other frustrating thing too. I feel like we had the handicap and nailed it perfectly, but that doesn't necessarily always translate to winning bets. Like you feel like it should, but when it doesn't, it's like, what do you do? And of course, like you said, the the tech Iowa state game, I had my eye on that a little bit. It seemed like a lot of Iowa state turnovers, but I think the question is how do you really learn from that going forward? Because I don't expect them to be ahead 
by 20 points in the second half on the road in conference often. Like, that's not a spot they usually find themselves in. So it's like, maybe next time if that happens, I know not to turn away. But like, what, what do you do with that? Like, that was, it, everything went about as well as it could have for them for the first, you know, 25, 30 minutes of that game. And then, who knows, right? It, I, it, again, it's just a wonky night. Yeah, that was it was wild. Very frustrating just to watch the, like, the games we had as wins turn into losses real quick. Yeah. Yeah, and that sort of thing happens, right? We always talk about it. it you know, it's bas- college basketball is a different kind of grind than the other main sport we do here, right? which is which is baseball. But I, every season in baseball, I feel like I always talk about this. There's always these weird stretches where like everything you hit, everything you play hits, and you have these stretches where like you just can't find any luck, and you just never know. I always told people in baseball season, right? If we've had two losing days in a row, doesn't mean the next one will be a winner or a loser. If we've had two winning days in a row, doesn't mean the next one will be a winner or a loser. You just never know with these swings. It's just this grind of uh, trying to get the combination of smart picks and good luck, and you need a little bit of both. And, uh, you know, I think we had the right reads, just didn't get any luck. Hopefully we continue to have the right reads. If you have the right reads, that'll be good. Uh, sometimes you don't have the right reads. You're just like, well, it doesn't really matter if I get good luck. I had the wrong read, right? So hopefully we can at least keep the right reads going and then the luck will come around, right? Yeah, at least it's better than, like, kind of better than having the wrong read and the right luck. Like, and then you keep making the same mistake. Yeah, there you go. All right, well, uh, we got a bunch of really good games here for Wednesday. But before we get to that slight, some reminders, please hit that like button if you're on YouTube. Also, if you aren't yet, please consider subscribing or following. It's free. And if you turn on notifications, you won't miss any of the college basketball, MLB, or college football content that this channel provides. I've already mentioned Patreon, but check it out if you haven't yet. There are a lot of great benefits to be found over there above and beyond what we do here. Only $3 a month, it gets you the play of the day each and every morning. For another $2 a month, you get access to all the model picks and the Discord chat. And for $5 more a month, you get ad-free shows and immediate access to every recommended pick. It's www.patreon.com slash picks with the professor for more details. But even if you're not there, we're still thrilled to have you here. Remember, sports are unpredictable, so the discussion we have on the show is projecting a typical game, not trying to forecast a game to a T. That would be a foolish and impossible goal because nobody can predict when a team's going to have a 23-point lead and then fall apart. Um, still better. Uh, let's get to it, though. <laughs> Remember to always shop around for the best price. Sign up, link in the show description, add a couple more books to your repertoire. We're going to start off here at 5.30 p.m. Central. Penn State at Purdue, the rematch of a game that was a quasi-neutral site game where Penn State played uh, – they don't annually do it every so often they play a game at Penn stadium. Uh, they got a lot of, a lot of alum and a lot of uh, players who are from the Pennsylvania area. So it was a lot of fun for them. It didn't go well for Penn state. The first time they hung around in that first half. Uh, Jake, I'm curious if, if this was your read on it. Uh, it was kind of a standalone game. So I feel like most of us were probably watching. It felt like that, um, UConn Butler game the first time around where it felt like Penn State was hanging around but I was watching it and I was like I don't really know how they're doing I mean they just hit a bunch of jump shots and it just seemed like after that first half you know it's kind of like hey they're hanging in there this is going to be a good game I don't really know how they're doing it but it's working and then the second half happened and that felt a lot like that UConn Butler first game and then when UConn Butler played the rematch the same thing happened. And I kind of think that's what's going to happen here. I just don't really see Penn State hanging in there. The problem is it's a 10-point spread. So I don't really want to lay 10 with Purdue, but I also don't want to take 10 with Penn State. So we're going to stick to the under 135 and a half. Um, If Penn State doesn't hit all those crazy jump shots, there's no way that this game can get to that number. Purdue's got a really good defense. Penn State you know, offensively on the road, you expect to struggle a little bit more. So under is the play that we're going to make on this one. Jake, tell us more. Yeah, like the Penn State team's all or nothing, right? Like very, very similar to the Butler team uh, where they're very jump shot driven. They're a smaller team. They like their jump shots, but they're a lot better in Butler in the fact, especially in the fact that they're the best team in the nation at not turning it over. But 
they if the jump shot doesn't go in, they don't stand a chance of getting it. They don't even want it. It's I think at this point they've just said we're not even gonna try for it. Um, they rarely get to the line because that's part of the jump shot thing. When your team's not aggressive, you're not getting to the uh, line because you're trying to find an open jump shot. Uh, you're pretty good at shooting the three ball, but Purdue loves to absolutely play slow, and so Penn State really so does say. play slow too. Yeah. But the difference is. Purdue has 80, and I mean, you're going to say that a lot, and you're going to hear that a lot, especially from tournament time. But I mean, hands down, national player of the year, and it's not even close. It's a runaway. So I feel like we're not breaking any news, but we also can't not say that. I mean, we would be not doing our due diligence if we didn't mention that, right? <laughs> that, yeah. that he changes the game. Like, he, he really does. I know it's not news, but also it's it's kind of important to keep in mind, right? And, and that's that's really going to be the difference between these two teams, right? Is uh, if Purdue's jump shots aren't going for a two or three trips down the court, they can go, okay, we're just going to give it to Edie. He, he will put two on the board. That way we can get out of the scoring slump where Penn State doesn't have that. Also, Edie will clean up almost every miss. So when they do miss the jump shots, because Purdue tends to miss a lot of them where they're at right now, uh, he gets a lot of points that way too. Uh, and playing slow, I think, is to Purdue's advantage. So if you're Penn State, might try to speed it up. Um, to stay in this game, that's going to not go well for them because that's not how they're used to playing. But they play slow, play slow. They that lets one eighty save his legs, two gets their defense set, and that's harder to go against that half court set defense than it is taking advantage of open uh, fast breaks. And there's just not going to be a ton of fast breaks because neither team likes to turn the ball over. Um, but I mean, if you look at the uh, first game, like you mentioned. Penn State hung right in there. I think they scored what? What did we say? Forty-four in the first half. Something crazy. And then twenty. And it was twenty-six in the second half. Like, yeah. I, I think it's going to be look a lot more like the second half game because I think Purdue is a lot better team right now than where Penn State's at. Um, we're just not going to get a lot of points, and we're going to get and a Purdue might run away with it. I don't want to lay the ten because the, just, they make me nervous. But Purdue unders are been pretty good to us. Yeah, and the model says 135 points for this total has been pretty spot on with Penn State totals, but it's been still overestimating Purdue. They've just been more of an under team here in conference play. Mm -hmm. We've talked about Purdue's, some of their offensive struggles, and when you combine Purdue still not looking great for the most part on the offensive end, they can still get the job done. They have a great defense, but when they're playing slow and they're not scoring you know, at a great clip, you combine that with – uh, Penn State on the road, who's got a good offense, but again, on the road, it hurts a little bit. That, that under makes a lot of sense. The last thing I want to say here, I, I do really think that there are uh, situations where the matchup right really matters, and you never obviously know how one individual game is going to play out, but I do really have to think watching that last game that the style of defense that Purdue is playing is just going to – force Penn State they want to take those jump shots anyway but force them it seemed like they were just forced into a bunch of tough jump shots and that's where I like the under because I'll take my chances with it they're taking tough jump shots they might go in but in general I like my odds and a lot of them don't and there's a lot of ways we can get under a number that's this close to 140 in a game that just should go at a snail's pace more or less like you said Penn State in theory might try to speed it up against Purdue, but also that's not what they do. So it's not going to go better for them. So it, it puts them at, you know, in an uncomfortable spot. So if they speed it up, it's not like I think that's going to make a lot of points happen. And Purdue is going to be a hard team to speed up because they're going to do everything they can to keep it slower like they want. So under 135 and a half is the play there. Another 5.30 p.m. Central game to keep your eye on. Providence at Xavier. I'm going to treat this one like you did with the TCU game yesterday, though. You'll notice no pick on the screen there. Obviously, that is because Fremantle out for Xavier. First game out. 
has a lot of questions now what that's going to do to Xavier. The analytics just love this Xavier team, partially because of the fact that they've got some decent wins and all their losses are to solid teams and mostly close. What does that mean? In general, that means that they're probably pretty decent, but how does that translate now with Freeman's lot? There's just a lot of questions here with this Xavier team. Providence finally looks healthy again. Uh, so, you know, they've got a, a better chance here. The, the injury bug, at least in this game, has flipped from what we would have expected a week ago or two weeks ago coming into this one. Xavier's a three-point favorite. The model does say 5.2, but really is not knowing what to do with the Fremantle situation. He's obviously very good. The best players in college basketball tend to only be worth four or five points, but you just never know when a guy is going to completely change how the team plays. So just a lot of questions in the air on this one. We think it's a game that you want to be watching, but also maybe just learn a little bit about how Xavier's going to play now, tempo-wise, and just are they going to be able to fill in that production? Obviously, one game isn't going to tell us the full story, but it's going to give us a whole lot more data than we have right now, which is not very much. Uh, Jake, what are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, look, uh, I mean, they had a chance to do it with uh, Xavier in that Creighton game with, where they both guys got in foul trouble. I mean, Fremantle had a great game, led the team scoring to 18. Uh, I just – it's hard to tell how he changes their offense because Nungy likes to stay out and about where Fremantle is more inside. Uh, is how they kind of drew – because he's the leading rebounder. He's that more physical presence where Nungy really stretches the floor and likes to block shots and stuff. So it really changes – I'm – I want to see how much that changes their defense and things. And then Providence being healthy, it's could be a bad combo for Xavier or it could be could great. Be. Like, uh, who knows? Like, so just one of the ones I want to sit and watch. I want to see what they do because this could really tell you what they're going to do with the guys getting foul trouble and how they switch uh, the offensive game plan and defensive game plan. So it's very going to be – should be a great one to watch, but not one I'm on any part of. Yeah, thankfully Fremantle sounds like we'll be back for March Madness, probably the Big East tournament. That's the hope, the expectation. It's obviously good news uh, for them. I I'm with you. I really want to see how this plays out. I can see a world where Xavier wins this game by five points and everyone just says the like Fremantle's a good player, but it's a team game and it's not like he's being replaced with you and me, right? Yeah. The guys that are replacing him are still pretty dang good. They aren't as good, right? Uh, but they're not that far behind and it's one of those that the guy who's 90% as good takes a few minutes and the guy who's 80% as good as that guy takes a few minutes and everybody just trickles down. So it, it doesn't affect my savior can win this game. They're at home, right? I can see a world where Providence goes on the, on the road and wins this game by 10. I mean, I, I kind of can see a lot of different things happening here. So um, just not a, a game really to invest in, in our opinion. Xavier getting a three-point favor right now. Total is 155. I think we were talking about this beforehand. If we had to, we'd lean over. But again, just not sure if Xavier is now a little thinner, going to try to slow the pace down. We think Providence healthier might speed it up. But there's just a lot of question marks. So uh, we would kind of lean on that over, but it's not a pick that we're comfortable uh making as a, an official pick and over that we are comfortable making 6 p.m central pittsburgh at north carolina we're going to go over 146 and a half model says 148 and a half been pretty spot on with the totals of both of these teams a bottom line is you got decent pace it should be pretty average on the pace not really too fast not really too slow but you got two really good offenses that should have a pretty good advantage over the defenses this is a game that on average based off of the type of scoring that we've seen in college basketball this year Tends to be more like in the 150s than any mid 140s. So we think 146 and a half is too low. We like going over here. Jake, tell us more. Yeah, like this is going to be, I think this will be a very key game for ACC play because I think 
if I remember correctly, the top four seeds get a double bye for the ACC tournament, and these teams are going to be fighting for that fourth, third, fourth seed there. So this could be big. Um, Pittsburgh, one of the most confusing teams. I mean, they were – I was dogging them early in the year, and now they're – Seem to be really good. They, I mean, especially once uh, I think Langley, Lang, something like that, the big guy that just decided to opt out of this year after he got hurt again uh, and came into the year hurt. This is when he opted out. I thought we could bury Pittsburgh. Nope, they are right back in playing. I mean, North Carolina went through their tough stretch, and I mean, as much as it pains me to say, but they are one of the more dangerous teams out there right now. Uh, they're starting. They're starting to finally look like maybe they're going to put it together and be that team we thought they were at the beginning of the season. They were so disappointed for so long, and they're starting to start to play a little better now. Yeah, just like last year, it's, uh, it's frightening because they were in the championship game last year with pretty much the same team. Yeah. Uh, like this, And, I mean, neither team's going to turn the ball over. There's, uh, But I think North Carolina, North Carolina plays at a faster pace, and I think it's, Pittsburgh is going to match that pace. So I think this game is going to have a little more pace than what the metrics will tell you. Uh, Pittsburgh's got two, and I, I say guards, but – just because burden, I think Henson is more of a guard. He's listed as a forward, but I think he plays more like more of a guard. But so the two really strong guards they got Henson and Burton. They've got a deeper rotation in North Carolina, and I think they'll they'll like that pace. Uh, like with R.J. Davis being probable, and I, I know I've, something in his face. I can't remember what his injury was, but it's, I, I think he'll be pretty much at full speed playing this game. Uh, and I mean Baycott. The, I mean, North Carolina's not a great three-point shooting team, but you don't need to be when you got Bacon underneath the rim. And he he is very, very good player, and he can be very dominant. And I'm not sure Pittsburgh has a guy that can bang with him. Um, so I think there's going to be a lot of points and just a really intense, really physical game, uh, much like the end of that Miami game where there was a lot of points right there at the end. And I think that's going to happen and push this a lot closer to like 150, 155 than this 146 and a half. Yeah, Pittsburgh kind of on the bubble, it looks like at this point. So, you know, not a likely game to win. They're, you know, eight, eight and a half, nine point underdogs. It's about where the model has it. Seems like a pretty good price. If they can accidentally get a win, that would be huge uh, for their tournament chances. Uh, obviously, North Carolina, um, you know, doesn't want to lose, and you know, but they're, they're probably probably more okay in the tournament more so than Pittsburgh is Pittsburgh's one who needs a little more solid footing a little more solid footing um but it should be an interesting game there uh questions can North Carolina really run away at home um we don't want to mess with the side we think that eight to nine point spread's pretty solid so instead we're just gonna go over 146 gonna flip to the under here on a 6 p.m game Tennessee at Florida the number we got here is 131 and a half sidelines has 127 has been uh, underestimating Tennessee totals, overestimating Florida totals, potentially that Tennessee one a, a little bit, like we talked about that Texas game thrown in there, and we talked about how that um, was just a, a, a very different type of game. But in general, that should balance out. I, I really think this game's going to have a hard time getting towards 130, just given the strength of the Tennessee defense. And again, Florida, just the way they've been playing for the most part here as of late, just really been a strong under team, really slowing things down, playing solid defense. Um you know, it's not a big number, obviously, 131 and a half, but we still think that it should be a lot lower than that. So we're going to go under in this one. Spread is a five and a half to six. Sideline says seven and a half. If we had to play it, we'd lay it with Tennessee. It's a tougher spot, though. I just, in general, my thought process here is like laying six on the road 
is always a little bit of a scary thing because it does mean you are the better team, but there's a lot of ways that they can just win, escape with the victory. They don't care if they win by six. They don't care if they win by seven. They win by three. They're happy. They win by two. They're happy. They win by four. They're happy. So it's just a tougher play to lay the six. It's probably the side I'd rather be on. Tennessee's are just a really good team, but there's just it's just too uncomfortable on the road to lay the six. So we're going to stick to the under 131 and a half. Jake, what do you think? Yeah, like major defensive battle here. The under's the right play. I mean, you've got the nation's top defense versus the number eight defense. It's not a lot of offense is going to happen. That's not very easily. I mean, neither offense is deadly. Tennessee offense just disappears at time. Florida really doesn't have one. Um, they're not – neither one is great three-point shooting teams. Uh, Tennessee's shown flashes of it, but it's nothing I would count on. I know this new lineup, they're played a little bit faster than they have when they've played the small ball, but I don't think that's not going to work out too well with Castleton. So I think you're going to see a more slower game with the bigger lineups in because Castleton can step out and move around. Uh, look, Florida's offense doesn't do well against very good defenses that have big guys, right? They scored 50 against Kansas State, 52 against Texas A&M, 61 against Mississippi State. Still didn't crack 70 against LSU, and LSU's not that good. Um, I mean, that list can go on and on. Like, you've got 54 against UConn, 53 against Oklahoma. Um, and, Terry, and Tennessee really doesn't break 75 that much. They're, like, 10 times on the year, and most of those were teams that – and you're, like, 150 to 200, the 300s. Um, they're not going to get that hot. I think this game is screaming everything about the 120s. Anything under 130 is a great play. Yeah, I completely agree. I think back to that Kansas State game on Saturday, and Kansas State's got a much better offense in Tennessee. Plays with a little bit more urgency, and not anywhere near. Not that Kansas State's defense is terrible, but it's nowhere near Tennessee's defense, obviously. And that game had 114 points in it. I don't think it'll be quite that low. I think that was a little bit of an aberration, of course. You know, we always talk about games coming from distributions and all the possibilities, and we only see one realization. We sometimes see a weird realization. That one was a little bit weird that it only got to 114. But yeah, I'm with you. It just seems really unlikely that these two teams combined. Like, what would happen to get the scoring up it would be some weird all of a sudden they both decide to start playing fast and we just haven't seen that or, or, or teams just get hot and it, it's possible but it just will require something that i'm like i just don't have much evidence to think we're going to get into the mid 130s which would be what an overplay would imply i, I think I, this game's gonna have a really really hard time getting to 130 i'm like you something in the 120s makes the most sense shifting to the 8 p.m time slot oklahoma state at oklahoma we're gonna lay the three with the sooners um you know, in general, a lot of times I would say you beat a team like Alabama, the way you beat them, let down spot. This is a rivalry. I don't think there's a letdown spot here. They're going to be really focused on top of that. They know they need every single win possible to keep their tournament hopes alive. We always talk about how good the Big 12 is. Those top six are incredibly good. And then that bottom four are the ones that are all just trying to figure out how they can get up to be number seven. Number seven's probably in. Number eight, maybe, right? Number nine, e Number 10 ain't going to make it, right? And and right now, Oklahoma's really got to take care of business here, win this game, solidify their spot as the seventh best team in this conference, get in the tournament. So I don't really see the letdown here. I think they're probably – I think they're the better team here. Oklahoma State just doesn't really impress me. Oklahoma has always had that potential, and for so long this year just didn't seem to quite have it together. I think they maybe are putting it together here. I'm not saying that they can compete with the top six in the conference because that's six – of the best teams in the country, right? Six of the top 15, probably. But 
I think they're starting to put it together for them, which means it's still a pretty good team. I think they can get the, the job done here. Um, we've been pretty, you know, spot on with these teams here, but I will say we're five and one backing Oklahoma, nine and six when we faded them. So we've done well backing them, done well fading them. We're going to lay the three with the Sooners. The total is about 130. We would go under, but, you know, it, it's just a low number to go under in a game that that's a rivalry game. Nobody's going to take their foot off the gas at the end. Could be late fouls, desperation. If one team gets hot and, and these teams can do that, as opposed to that Tennessee, Florida game where it, again, it's not that it's impossible, but it's a little bit more of a stretch to see the Tennessee or Florida teams getting hot. We've seen these teams just go through like five minute stretches where they just, you know, hit six threes or something, something like that would get you over one thirty. So under is probably the smarter play, but it's just not a high enough number for us to want to jump on. Instead, we're just going to focus on backing the Sooners at minus three. Jake. Jake. Tell us yeah. Look, th- uh, this is a fun matchup. You mentioned the letdown from Alabama. I don't think that's going to matter because you've got the rivalry. Plus you've got a revenge, revenge factor and it being at home. Um, so it's, it's still a little more comfort, like a little easier to get your mind right. A little more routine. Uh, like, and I just don't think Oklahoma State's offense is going to get hot enough again to beat Oklahoma because they, they got real hot and really put it on Oklahoma. So, um, and I don't think that's happening again. Um, both these teams absolutely struggle in turnovers, and they're both great at guarding the three-point arc. So I think that leans towards your under because I don't think you're going to get as many threes as you did last time. Oklahoma's offense is better, um, and that's uh, enough to make the difference up with ha- their defensive difference, uh, they, especially at home. They're very good. They're they're much better shooting team, and f- especially from the free throw line. They've also got two studs in Sherfield and Groves, but Jalen Hill is the big third X factor, and I think that's why they win the game. He's a much, much better player at home. He hits 43.8% of his threes at home compared to 26 on the road, 92, uh, almost 93% of his free throws to compared to 78 on the road. He, he's just a lot more comfortable at home. He just put up 28 against Alabama, uh, which is a very, very good defense. I, I think he's going to he might stay hot, and I think that's going to be the difference in, in between these games. Yeah, last time out, Oklahoma State won by 16 in a game that had 128 points. Again, like I said, they got just were on fire in the second half. They were losing at the half. So I, I'm not saying that, you know, I, I'm not trying to make any predictions based on the first team. All I'm doing is pointing out Oklahoma had the lead on the road at the half. So they can play with this team absolutely. Um, now at home, they're rightfully favored, right? That second half. OSU just could not miss. Can it happen again? Absolutely. But in general, that's not what we expect to happen. And even with all that uh, scoring, and there was a bunch of late scoring, a bunch of late fouling, OU was down 13 fouling, right? Which got it to 128 even. So that's why we've talked about the under. But uh, if OU didn't go quite as cold in that second half, they can probably get more into like 133, 134. So again, just a little bit of a fear of it getting there. Under is probably the right play. We're just going to focus on the Sooners here. Don't think that that second half repeats itself and the OU at home can win probably pretty handily kind of separate themselves out in the second half of the game to the late slot, 9 30 PM central New Mexico at Utah state. Got a double up for you here. Uh, the, the screen is wrong. I, I typed that in wrong. So we got New Mexico. We're going to get Mexico plus four uh, and we're going to go over 154 and a half. I mean, we love this Lobos team, right? We've been backing them all year. Uh, we are 13 and six backing. We did fade them once and won that game. You know, the model says this should be Utah State uh, by three and a half, but has been overestimating Utah State here for the last month. So if that's the correct, 
you know, direction that it's going, then really it's probably should be more like Utah State minus three, minus two and a half, something like that, which kind of makes sense here in that I'm just not convinced that Utah State's the better team. And if they are, I'm just not sure by how much. It's by the smallest of margins. If they are, I think this New Mexico team is just as good, can hang right in there with them. You know, they live in altitude, so it's not like that the, uh, you know, game being at Utah State is going to affect them from an altitude standpoint, which is something you got to consider sometimes with these Mountain West uh, teams in the travel spots. Uh, so we're going to grab the four there with the Lobos. It's also going to go over 154 and a half. Model says 157 and has been underestimating both these teams here over the last month. They've both just been scoring like crazy. And the numbers like creeping up and the teams just keep scoring more. <laughs> and so it's one of those where it's like the, the numbers just going up, but just not fast enough. I, I mean, really think it's got a good chance to get into the one sixties here. Uh, again, given the model projects, one fifty-seven doesn't tend to project numbers quite that high too often, but you got two just incredible offenses and teams that are going to play with a little bit of tempo here, especially New Mexico should get us a lot of points. You think New Mexico could hang around, maybe get the win. Plus four is just too tempting, as is that over 154 and a half. Jake, what do you got for us? Yeah, this should be an, uh, just a fun, fun game. It'd be all the points are going to be scored in this game in just completely different ways. I mean, New, New Mexico is a three-point adverse team. Only 27 and a half percent of their shots on the year come from behind the arc. But they do hit them at a high rate. They hit them at about 35%, so I'm not... It's obviously a game plan, but I mean, well, they're I they're being they're being selective. I think yeah. a lot of times it's 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 good ball movement, and it's if it's open, we're going to take it, and if not, we're not going to force it. We're going to you know, we're going to try to drive past the run, do something else, right? So I mean, it's being selective. Yeah, they're I mean they play at this very fast place. They don't make too many mistakes. They find tons of open shots. They've got a very high effective field goal percentage, and they're one of the better teams at not getting their shot blocked, which means as they get to the hole, they're making the right decision. They're pulling up for the jump shot or going reverse layup, whatever, avoiding shot blockers. Um, Utah State, complete opposite. They play at a little bit of a slower pace. They want all the threes. I mean, why not when you're hitting 40% as a team, shoot them all. Uh, They work very well to find those open shots to move the ball around. They find an open three, and almost everybody on the team can hit them. Uh, I think the quicker pace of New Mexico will – get Utah playing a little faster, maybe shoot those threes a little earlier than they want to. Uh, that might start to be the difference in the game. Um, but it's kind of interesting from a defensive perspective because uh, New Mexico's defense, exceptionally guarding the three-point arc, one of the best in the country. And Their defense is designed to make you kind of shoot the threes, and that's kind of what Utah State wants to play. So I don't know what's going to happen there. And then Utah State wants to chase you off the three-point line, get you into the – get you inside and make your shots hard there. And that's what New Mexico wants to do. They want to get inside. So it's, it's a very interesting game from a strategic standpoint, everything. So it should just be a lot of fun to watch. We're staying up late to see. Uh, but, I mean, there's just going to be a lot of fun. And in these tight games like this, giving the team that's getting closer to the back end with uh, – can't speak – closer to the bucket with the plus points. Uh, that's, that's where I want for the side. I think there will be a ton of points. Yep, absolutely. Uh, last thing I'll mention here with regards to the total is we've seen a lot of these Mountain West games be close contest, get a lot of late fouls. We've seen a lot of overtimes as well. So this game could easily get you to 160 with a couple minutes to go. If not, if it just happens to slow down, teams aren't hitting. Sometimes you see some slower, uh, more 
uh, you know, deliberate second halves. If we see that, we still got a chance for this over with overtime. So uh, I think it, it, it's not impossible, but it seems unlikely that either team's going to run away one by 15 and just rock this one to bed. It seems like it should be a good close contest with a lot of points. And again, just so many different ways to go over here. Love this over pick, which takes us to overtime segment here. We're going to go with a game not quite as off the wall as some of the ones we want to talk about, just not as big as those other ones. Villanova at Marquette, a game that at a different time in the world would have been a fantastic game. This Marquette team, if you just put them against one of many Villanova teams in the past decade would be, but this Villanova team just not as good. We're going to go with a double up overtime slot here. We're going to go Marquette minus eight and a half. We're going to go over 143 and a half. The model says that this total should be 147 has been pretty spot on with Villanova totals, but just cannot catch up on Marquette. They've been scoring a ton. It's a little bit, tempo related a little bit getting turnovers repossessions and a little bit that offense is just insanely good and they cannot be slowed down and so we're just playing catch up on this over i don't think they've caught up i don't think my models caught up. i don't think anybody's catching up yet i think this is more likely to be around 150 than 140 so we're gonna go over 143 and a half we're gonna lay the eight and a half with marquette model says it should be marquette minus 11 listen we faded marquette 16 times this year and it has not gone well four and 12 fading them so i am happy to be on the other side of that given the fact that marquette has been insanely good we faded villanova 14 times gone nine and four so it's gone well when we faded villanova it has not gone well when we faded marquette that seems like an easy choice to me jake what do you think yeah like i'm a big fan of this marquette team their offense just keeps better keeping better and getting better and getting better They're, they've moved up to the number one um efficiency offense on all of basketball they play at a high pace they've got the number two effective field goal percentage which means they're finding all the open shots and making making sure they find them um, they don't turn the ball over which has typically been a problem with shaka smart's teams they play too fast, turn the ball over a little bit, and he's okay with that because he's forcing turnovers on the other side. Um, they've got Since they're not turning the ball over and forcing turnovers, they're getting tons of extra possessions, putting up all the points. I mean, inside the arc, they're shooting 61% on the year, which is just insane kind of numbers. Uh, this Villanova team, I know if you look at the first game, Marquette won by two, and it was a lower-scoring game. They still forced, what, 13, 14 turnovers out of Villanova. I think at home where the Sparkhead offense is now well, is going to be a completely different story. I, I know there's a, some questionable guys tonight for Marquette, but I think they'll play if, if at all possible, and that team is deep and loaded, and they'll take advantage of this Villanova team that seems to be flailing around trying to figure out how to play defense. That's not what you want to do against this Marquette team right now. Yeah, we've seen Villanova have some success against teams that want to play faster by slowing them down. But I, I think those have been more so the teams like St. John's, who St. John's isn't a bad team, but they just aren't the quality of this Marquette team. That's what we always talk about, a team wanting to slow their team down, a team wanting to speed the other team up. But also not just do they want to, but can they? Villanova isn't that far behind talent-wise of St. John's, so they were able to slow them down and really get them out of their game plan. They are behind this Marquette team. This Marquette team is really good and they might want to slow them down, but it's just not going to be something that we think they're going to have a lot of success doing. And so when Marquette starts scoring like crazy, like we think they do, either Marquette's just going to run away with it or Villanova's going to have to try to pick up the pace a little bit. Marquette, I mean, Villanova's been scoring, so they should be able to score a little bit, just unlikely that they hang around with Marquette. So we're thinking a lot of points for Marquette here, and that gets us a cover and an over. And that's all we've got for you then today. Jake, any parting words for the viewer? Uh, no, I'm, I'm just going to be sweating out this Tuesday night slate. I, I really like it, and I can't wait to just sit my butt on the couch and watch it. It is, it is the worst part about recording now 
is that it's good because now we're recording and then we get to go watch the games. The downside is we have no idea how it's going. And everyone else watching this, like they know and we don't. We are in the dark right now as to how Tuesday has gone. So hopefully it's gone well for everybody. Hopefully, better, like, hopefully it did what Monday did in the first half and just stay there instead of just the floor dropping out. Exactly, exactly. All right, well, thanks for tuning into this episode of Picks the Professor. Don't forget to subscribe so you can enjoy all the sports betting content provided on this channel. It's dropped right into your feed. Be back again with more sports betting tips tomorrow. And until then, as always, best of luck. And remember, you can eat your betting money, but please don't bet your eating money.